You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, Trekkies and Trekkers. Welcome to Earth Station Trek. My name is Alan, and it is my privilege to... I think I messed up the intro, but that's okay. It is my privilege to introduce (laughs) the EST crew, which this week consists solely of Keith Johnson. Fearful will be the god or man or beast that stands in my way. You know it, buddy. (laughs) And since Chuck and Veronica are off at sea somewhere, they are adrift in the uh-huh. oceans of time and space. We are joined by two of our best friends and wonderful, wonderful guests, Matt and Elaine Sweatman. How's it going? Very well. We're doing very good. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, Keith? You know the drill. Why don't you lay some Trek history on us, my friend? Okay. Got a couple of good ones this week. An obvious one that I'll leave for last. But I thought this was incredibly apropos considering that we're talking about. On the 20th of March, 1989, was the premiere of the Next Generation episode, Contagion. Ooh. And if you all remember that... That's the episode where Picard discovers a planet at the behest of his old friend um, of, the, of the starship Yamoto, which blows up. It was the planet that was one of the planets occupied by a group of um, aliens known as the Iconians, yep. who were known by their enemies as the demons of air and darkness because they could do what? Walk through portals and appear anywhere in the galaxy that they wanted to in an instant, like walking right. across the room. Yeah. Right. So that's a great episode. Also, it was an early computer episode because um, the, there was a probe that the Iconian planet sent to the Enterprise. The whole point was uh, when it probed the Enterprise, the Enterprise basically got infected by a code so, so complex that it would basically cause the ship to destroy itself. Early computer episode because <laughs> it's funny looking back, it took Jordy like several hours to figure out what every one of us that know nowadays was simply <laughs> her to pick a computer off and restore from backup. That's hilarious. <laughs> but the portals I thought was such a great idea. Also, um, premiering in the year before on 20th of March. <laughs> I just had to bring this one out. This episode has become incredibly classic. And the most famous line from this is, he is smart. We find things. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. So the one the one good thing you can say about that is that if it weren't for that episode and if it weren't for the Packleds, we would not get some of the great storylines that we've had on Lower Decks. Absolutely. I mean, who? I guarantee you. He's alleged. I guarantee you. Nobody expected the Packleds. To nope. be this long lasting, no nope. freaking way. <laughs> that's that's one of the things I have loved about Lower Decks. Yes. Yeah. Moving forward, this is another great one, and and this will really mean something to Matt and Elaine. On the twenty first of March, nineteen sixty six, the final street treatment 
of an episode was delivered for approval and rewrites and discussion. And it had much discussion and many rewrites and many arguments. That script was the first treatment of the city on the edge of forever. Ooh, uh, we, we know that one went through some rewrites. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> Not everybody and, was happy about those rewrites. Yes, nope. and became arguably the single most beloved episode of Star Trek of all time. Arguably, I said, people have many others that they prefer as well, like yep. Inner Light and so forth. But an yep. absolutely, yep. inarguably great episode. Uh, one, uh, two more. One last thing. This is quick. 1967. Again, this is incredibly important because on the 23rd of March, debuted the episode original series, Errand of Mercy. Okay. Uh, Good Critical stuff. because it introduced the Klingons. Yeah. Right on. But John Colicos as the first type of Klingon, which is the one that I, I find it's very interesting discussions of Klingons. People talk about how John Colicos, he... He had a battle joy in him. He smiled a lot. And even at the end of the show or during the show, he was talking about the glory of the battle. And later on, you had a Klingon who most people say was really the template for the Klingons of the future. And that was Kang, yeah. much more mm -hmm. serious. But I love the contrast between Kang and Kor, how they are as Klingons. Um, Kor is like the joy. Kang is the loyalty and the seriousness of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that those two sides of the Klingons were best expressed in Martok from Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Last one. I had to say it, of course. 22nd of March, 1931, in Canada, not Iowa, one William Shatner was born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the rest is absolutely history. Uh, <laughs> Faith is so amazing, as everybody on the planet knows, that uh, he replaced... Uh, who was originally Captain Pike, Jeffrey Hunter, Jeffrey rest Hunt, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Shatner was by some uh, accounts as far down as Gene Rottenberry's 14th choice to play oh, wow. that role. Well, because if, if you look at Jeffrey Hunter, even though people give him grief because they said he was a low energy actor, and if you look at Patrick Stewart, um, even though they talk about Horatio Hornblower, Gene Roddenberry really wanted a more intellectual captain. That's why he wanted Picard to be French. He wanted a captain who was more thoughtful. And if you've ever seen Horatio Hornblower or read Horatio Hornblower, he is not a man of action like Kirk. He's a thoughtful man. He's shy around women. And so Jeffrey Hunter was actually closer to the kind of actor that Gene Roddenberry wanted for Captain of the Enterprise. And then in strolled Shatner. What can we say? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he said exactly. cold. Oh. Yeah, that's this weekend in track history. Okay, that is great. All right, so uh, before we move on super quick, we have comments from our buddy Wayne, uh, a.k.a. Tigerblade2002, who says, hi there. What's up, he brother? Is, he is always there before we go live. I always get my first comment from him before any of us have even logged on. So... Wayne, we really appreciate your loyalty and your, you know, now that you finally like gotten into, you know, joining us for our things because you you missed us for weeks at a time. But we're so well, glad that you're there and thank you so much for joining us. And he also says we don't discuss those type of Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> and our good friend Clarence Brown, who uh, was a guest with us. God, what was it? Maybe five months ago, maybe a little longer, maybe six months, uh, has joined us and says hi. Thank hey, you for joining us, Clarence. It is so hey. good to see you, my friend. Um, if anybody cannot possibly get enough 
Star Trek podcast. Clarence Brown is part of a really good show called Discussing Trek. Go find them and go listen to them. He is fantastic. All right, so we're going to take a super quick break here to promote a one of our other podcasts on our network, and we will be right back with our review of this week's episode of Star Trek Picard. Check out the Modern Musicology podcast, where each week we talk about things like... What makes a great drummer? Our favorite rock documentaries. Songs we love by artists we don't love. Our favorite concert memories. Songs that should have been singles. And all of our favorite music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now. Do not use Modern Musicology if you're allergic to it. Modern Musicology may produce itching, dizziness, vertigo, temporary blindness, or heart palpitations. Do not taunt Modern Musicology. Ask your doctor about switching to Modern Musicology. Here we are. It is week six of season three of Star Trek Picard. We have now entered the second half of the show. So basically, this is the first episode of the second half, like the back half of the series. So, you know, in a sense, they wrapped up some stuff last week and now we're launching into the home stretch. So what did you think? Just like general impressions. What did you think of this week's episode? A lot of Easter eggs and fan service in this one, yeah. <laughs> even more than previous episodes, which had been pretty heavy with that already. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There were some that were really heavy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this one, yeah, it, it definitely had some. And we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about all those things, you know, as we get to them. But yes, what do you think, Elaine? I enjoyed the episode. But I've said before that it usually doesn't take a lot to amuse me. And so as long as it's not really awful, I'll enjoy right. it. So, yeah. I'm with you, Elaine. I am totally with you. I, I don't, I don't, I don't need super clever, whatever. I don't need, I just want, I just want to have fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I agree with Matt. There was a couple of, there was a couple of things um, I did write. And I'll just go ahead and say this up front. I did write that. The only healthy parent-son couple, I mean, the only the only healthy parent-son relationship in the entire history of freaking Trek is is Cisco and Jake. It is right. Ben Cisco and Jake. Because right. that trope came back again today. But I really enjoyed it. And I got to say, again, um, I thought that the way they basically kind of shanghai Jordy into it made sense. As much as it makes sense to give a reason where you have to get the old band back together. Right. Yes. That's interesting that you say that, too, because uh, before we logged on, I was reading some comments here and there. And one of our friends, uh, Michael Phillips, who I'm Mm -hmm. sure will show up pretty soon, really didn't like the Geordie entrance. He he felt like he couldn't. And I'm sure he'll say stuff when he gets here. I'm sure he'll say stuff about it. himself. But he had a hard time finding the traditional Geordie in the character that we were presented tonight. You know, like he's yeah. he's just not reacting to situations the way Jordy should react. Well, I, go ahead, think? Matt. I I can agree with that to an extent. I mean, some time has passed, but right. it does feel like that their personalities are being molded to fit the needs of the drama or the plot to yeah. a certain extent. And we we saw that with Riker when he was all of a sudden very reticent to do what needed to be done a few episodes back and something similar. Right. So I think that was, they were trying to create the drama of Jordy resisting helping. And they had to create that by him focusing on protecting his family when that was not the Jordy we knew from 
30 years ago. Right. And you know, I'm a single dude. I have never had kids or anything, but what I'm told by people who have is that kids change your perspective. Everything that you understand, however your personality may have been at one point in your life, everything changes when you start having children and raising a family and having to be responsible for other people's lives. So do you think that, do you think that the change that we're seeing in Jordy, which is what 40 years after his service on enterprise D, do you think that it makes sense? It does to me. And also I was just thinking about this, that also they're just older. I mean, yes, as exactly. I'm getting older, there are things that I would have done in my 20s. I'm like, you know, I don't have the energy to do that right now. I'd, I'd rather not. I just want not, to stay home and watch my movie. I don't want to go only, out. It, it, and it's not even having the energy. You learn to be more cautious the right. older you get. Right. You learn that you are more breakable than you would like to think you were when you were 20, you know? Right. And you learn that these consequences have a cost to you, mm-hmm. to the people around you. And I think that that's just a natural progression. Uh, let me get a couple of comments. I, I agree with that too, because, yeah. and also I think that if Jordy had been by himself without, yeah. a, without not only two daughters, but two Starfleet daughters and a wife, he would have yeah. reacted differently. But um, like he said, and I think he made a good point. It's like, cause they're like, oh, it's changed. It's like, yeah, but now they'll come after my family. Right. right. Yeah. And, and I get that. And he might not have been the curator of the museum if he was still a single dude. He might still be flying around That's tr- doing stuff. He, he yeah. yeah, you know. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, Wayne says his first impression of Jordy was, "Who is this guy?" But on the <laughs> but on the flip side, Clarence says Jordy, now a father, felt spot on, and he had excellent reasons why. Yeah. There you go. It's interesting. I love that- it. It's interesting that you get those two completely opposite reactions to... I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Um, I'm, I'm going to interject really quickly that I am a little bit sick. If I have to, like, dash off to blow my nose or something, you'll just have to carry on without me for a couple of minutes, and I'll be back. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think, And also, I think I agree with what people are saying, because also, and I think what you said, Alan, about the number of years, I think people are forgetting something else as well. This is not Jordy serving on the ship with Picard and literally looking at and following and being included mm-hmm. in every single moment of danger up until that. This is literally Picard saying, hey, Jordy, been a long time. I need you to go on another dangerous mission out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere. Your, risk oh, your yeah. career, your daughter's career, and their lives. Ready right. to roll? It's different. <laughs> okay, here's, here's, a, here's a different angle. Let's talk about... This is jumping back a couple of decades, and this is back into the 100th episode of Voyager, where Geordi's a captain, and he's the one who's coming after Voyager to get them to stop whatever it is they're doing and to bring Chakotay and Kim, you know, in, in you know. Does this, does this follow along with what we saw of him there? There he is not the, the young, energetic adventurer who throws caution to the wind because because his captain says so. Now he is the captain who is following orders and doing his duty. Do you think that this follows along with that as a sort of middle chapter in between Enterprise D and now? I do, and I think it's funny you said that because that's exactly what I wrote down in my notes. That's exactly how he was in Timeless. He was the captain of a ship, yeah. and they're coming up with this thing where they're not only going to ch- uh, do something crazy, but they may change the entire timeline, erasing him and his family. Yeah. And he was like, I can't just run off on doing this you know, this, this cowboy thing with you. 
So I, I think it's consistent. I don't think, and also what I do like is, you know, skipping to the end, when he had no choice and he had to step up, Jordy stepped up. That's the measure of a man or a woman, I think. Yeah. Not the fact that he expressed a little resistance at first. Right. Michael Phillips has joined the show, so I will let him speak on his own behalf rather than me trying to quote him from what I read an hour ago. He says, I just thought Jordy was being really illogical because if the entire Starfleet is taken over by changelings, then the best way to protect his daughters is by fighting back. I got to say, I'm kind of agreeing with that. It seemed very strange to me that he was doing a a pull inward protective movement when we're talking about the entirety of Starfleet is compromised. But I I think what he would have done the way he was going, because he wanted his daughters to stay on the station where he thought they'd be relatively safe and then concoct an excuse for why his one daughter was part of what might be considered a mutinous group. And then I bet what he wanted to do was make his daughter stay behind. And then I think he still would have accompanied them. I think that's I think that's where he was kind of headed. Yeah. Wayne said, oh, sorry. Go ahead. And I was going to say, realistically, something that it takes a while for that to sink in and for you to you have to you have to run it through your brain and reach that logical conclusion. I, I think something similar happened with Shaw when he realized the intrepid was in control by change league. It had to sit in before he helped. And yeah. he, he had to he had it just he hadn't reached that point in, in comprehending what was going on at that point. I think that makes sense. Um Wayne says, hmm, did not think about Jordy's I assume the word he meant is priority as a father. Right. That and yeah, that's that's a big one. Uh, and Wayne, as a father and a military man yourself, you know uh, about that. Right. <laughs> oh, point of view. <laughs> that's what he meant. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> hey, look who's here. It's Charles Kelso. Dude, Hi. aren't you supposed to be on a hey. boat somewhere? <laughs> he well, says Buenos dias. He says, I thought Jordy was great. He has more to lose than he did in the TNG days. Exactly. I right. agree. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. And you know, and you know what I find very interesting? And I, I think this, I, I honestly think this is 100% intentional on the part of Terry Metallus and crew. Yeah. You know, one of the things we always joke at and wink about is how they get the band back together, as I've said. Like in the, um, and gosh, which one was it? Was it Insurrection or Nemesis where they just happened to pick Worf up along the way in the Defiant that was damaged? He's like, okay, I'm going to join the crew. And there he goes again. Yes. And you, and you always laugh at how do they put these people together and you just have to get past it because you just want the crew back together. Right. And I honestly think that if Riker and Jordy and company had just instantly jumped to, we would have, some people would say, well, that doesn't make any sense. These people are older. They have different duties. They have kids. So I think Terry Metallus and them were intentionally trying to go against the um, just jump in with both feet first because sure. they have things to think about. So I actually yeah. like that. But see, that's what you have. This this new breed of characters, that's what you have yeah. Jack for, and that's what you have yeah. Jordy's right. daughters for. They are the ones who are now in that position of taking that risky action of jumping in to right. do something crazy because that's that's the 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 priority of youth. Yeah, that's right. what you do. So I think it's really cool that they have established these different roles for the older characters. Agreed. Yeah. Um, without dismissing the older characters too, which I love. Right. Uh, hear that uh, Star Wars movies. <laughs> Clarence <laughs> says after Vatic's next move, it kind of made sense. We're going to talk about Vatic in a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Overacting Vatic. 
<laughs> and he says, agreed, smart move by Metallus and writing team. And I'm just going to say, they have been kicking butt this yeah. season. This, is, I, this, this has been one of my favorite seasons of Modern Trek. Yeah. Here I want to throw in an incredible trivial thing here. I absolutely whooped with joy when I heard the title Commodore come back. Yeah. I yeah. love that title. It's been missing for far too long. Yeah. I love Commodore. I'm glad you brought that up because I did too. <laughs> I didn't think to, you know, make it a comment, mm -hmm. but yes, mm -hmm. I, I loved that. Yes. I loved hearing that rank again. Um, okay, so before we move too far away from Jordy, I just want to mm. complain about Paramount Plus because, and I don't really give a crap about spoilers. It doesn't affect mm -hmm. my enjoyment mm -hmm. of an episode, but when I turn on the episode and when the episode is loading and the sort of like the pause screen is a mm -hmm. picture of LeVar Burton. I'm like, well, I guess we're getting Jordy this week. Thanks for ruining it for me. Paramount. Yeah. Nobody else yeah. had that happen. Well, we, we um, saw the ready room last week and, and I knew Will Wheaton uh, was interviewing um, LeVar Burton and the, the two who played the daughters. Oh. So I, I knew from that, that he was, I didn't know week. that. Okay. My, um, I was coming in through a Roku and it didn't do that for me on the Roku, but unfortunately my Google phone newsfeed says, you know, what, it kept throwing me like, cause you like this, because you like this. I saw Jordy like 10 times yesterday. Crap. Um, so, I watch it on a Roku and, it, and that's where I saw it. Oh, in that case, I probably wasn't paying attention. In fact, <laughs> I watched it, I watched it at work on web browser and I watched it at home on my Roku and it was exactly oh. the same thing both times. You know, I anyway, just take that back. I didn't watch it on Roku. I watched it on an iPad today because my wife is on the TV in the living room. So that's why I didn't see it. Wayne chimes in by saying Commodore rank has been eliminated from naval ranks, actually. But I love oh. the title. It just sounds <laughs> yeah. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. does. I don't know why. Yeah, it's uh, an old Charles, Navy field. Charles Thanks says, for that, Wayne. Commodore LaForge just has a great ring to it agreed and, <laughs> and michael says i did wonder if jordy was made a commodore merely as a callback to that old tos conflict trope about the stuffy commodore pulling back on the reins of a headstrong captain that makes sense there i hadn't so thought about combos. that angle but that's a really good point yeah so uh, since since we have charles kelso watching the show live with us and making comments i will say that he did a thing earlier, and I'm going to see if we can make this happen. I don't know if it's going to. He actually called our phone line and left a message, which I'm sure he intended. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, if I play this, I don't know if it'll be audible. So let's see if we can get it. And that way, Charles will be like, it's he's part of the show. Let's see if it works. Hey, long-time listener, first-time caller. This is Charles Kelson calling from sunny Miami, <laughs> where I'm sitting on the deck of a cruise ship, drinking a Jack and Coke, and thinking about Star Trek, of course. I uh, just wanted to call and say I thought this episode was a lot of fun. It had more fan wank than a 90s Star Trek novel, but in a good way. I thought they had a really clever way of getting Data in there and letting Brent Spiner go full mask, full Spiner, um, <laughs> let him play several different parts. And, uh, you know, I kind of liked that, uh, they had, you know, the, the big weapon thereafter was the card's remains. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense that, you know, certain Starfleet officers would have their remains preserved under lock and key uh, because these guys go through a lot of weird, spacey things, you know. And then I had to pause it, but another of the 
pods had James T. Kirk's remains, and it sounded like yeah. some lifetime sound effect from TOS. So leaving the door open, I guess, for JTK to come back. But uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a cool setup. I think they're setting up for the finale for all the, uh, the museum ships to have to fly into the rescue, kind of Day of the Doctor style. And I think we can all guess what's in that hangar bay number 12. Uh, but in all in all, a lot of fun. I uh, hope you guys have a good show tonight. And hey, everybody. And we'll be back in a week or so. Bye. Well, all right. It's like Chuck never left. <laughs> well, so, I could, well, I could tell you that the, to get on the Internet on the middle of the ocean, he is he is running through some <laughs> some data usage of some well, sort. <laughs> yeah, this that was before they actually boarded the boat. But his comments, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely him on the ship. Um, so if anyone else would like to call and leave us a voice message about reactions to an episode, maybe next Thursday you would like to do that very thing. You could call 307-387. And guess what the last four numbers are? 1701. So that's 307-387-1701. There you go. So call us and leave us a message and we'll play your message on our show. Just like we just like we demonstrated with Chuck. Okay. So we finally have Jordy in the series. We've been waiting for that for five episodes. Finally got him. Um, We're going to, there's one more person that we got at the end of the episode, but we're going to talk about that a little later. The thing that I want to jump into now though, is the one thing that they, hit hard in the trailers was the reappearance of Moriarty. And then he's nothing. He's, (laughs) he's two minutes at the very most. And he is nothing more than a firewall basically to keep people away from data or for data to not let somebody in unless they can solve a puzzle or whatever. And I just find that a little irritating. Yeah, I agree with what Rafi said when she said, what's a 19th century villain doing in charge of a 25th century black ops site? Yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't understand. Yeah, I didn't think that was good use for Moriarty and was two things. One, are we to understand that that is the full Moriarty program, the true full self-aware Moriarty program? And I'm still, what the hell is the heck was the pop goes the weasel thing? I'm still missing that. I missed You know, that. from the from the very first TNG episode. Right. So what they was showed that? you this? Yeah, you know, Data was Riker's first encounter with Data was finding him on the holodeck, and he's right. doing that whole "I wish I was a real boy" kind of thing and whistling that song, and Riker finishes the last line. And so, what did that do? Did that unlock Moriarty? Was that the yes. point? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh boy. Oh, That's that, almost that, like yelling Martha. It was. It was almost like putting in a password oh. to unlock. You know, to gain access to a site. Okay, that's a little weird. That's like yelling Martha in the movies. <laughs> Don't kill me, Martha, Martha. But if you, but you know, if you if you look at the things that they were doing leading up to that, they show you that something is accessing information and planning a, um, a, a they're planning a scheme f- based on the fact that they recognize Riker. Yes, that's all. Which there. you find out is data, and data is setting up a basically a password that only Riker would get. So data was kind of controlling Moriarty's. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. So was well, that thought, a full Moriarty or no? I thought no. they said it wasn't. No, they said it was just yeah. a construct of data's uh, 
uh, consciousness remembering had been in the, in the holodeck with right. Right. Now, okay. I will say that I thought that that sequence was really cool. I yeah. thought it was really neat that Data is sitting there, you know, basically in his little spider web and projecting out from where he is and setting up tests you know right. tasks that people have to uh, uh, uh solve in order to get to him i just wish that they had saved the moriarty thing as a surprise based on the fact that it was like a 90 second scene and not pimp him so hard in the trailers that you think he's going to be a major factor in this episode in this season yeah i just thought that was a goofy approach yeah that was odd yeah, I didn't. It, they didn't. They didn't. Despite everything they said, I agree. Given how the hype, they didn't justify the usage of Moriarty here. Yeah, I, they should have written another story for Moriarty than this. Because this... well, I mean, it makes sense if he's laying breadcrumbs for Riker to follow. That mm. that would be one of them. Mm. It just seems like it was strange for the way that they featured him in the trailers. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get a couple of comments. Wayne's going back to the Commodore thing. Commodore was bestowed upon personnel with particular specialties, i.e. the female Commodore who was a pioneer in computer science. Charles says that he liked the Moriarty was set up for Data's return. We got a fan of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wayne also says Moriarty may be just an avatar for Sod system. I don't know what that means. I'm sure he'll. Oh, said he did. He did offer me a, an explanation. Gotcha. Um, Clarence says I think they would have done more with Moriarty if they had more time. Possibly. I think that they did what they intended to do with him. I just think it was strange that they featured him so heavily in trailers when it would have been better left as a surprise. Yeah, because that's not the I, I did I did not see the Moriarty I know the Moriarty I know yeah more than just someone who says cogito ergo sum even though he said it in English I think therefore I am yeah uh, this this Moriarty literally is kind of cackling la- uh, wildly almost as bad as Vedic uh, what what's a Vedic and Vedic yeah yeah Moriarty is calm and rational and cool and deadly intelligent. And that's Moriarty I was looking for. Like you said, Alan, I think if they hadn't said anything, I wouldn't have been prepared for that Moriarty who can almost who can match wits with Jean Luc. Um, what we got was not that Moriarty. So right. that one that one didn't satisfy me very much. It's not that I hated it. It was just one of those, huh? Okay. Yeah, it was it was fine. It just makes me want to say, watch out, CC which anybody who's ever watched The Nanny will understand. <laughs> I never watched The Nanny, but Apparently I know he's on not. there. <laughs> I assume Elaine had. But I did watch Days of Our Lives, so I know that her love interest used to play uh, international spy uh, Sean, Shane Donovan. So <laughs> I don't get the reference, but I do, I do remember the characters. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Clarence said that the music notes got on his nerves, which is interesting. Yeah, um, I agree with you. That was one of those weird puzzles where you're like, well, thank God Riker was there. and Because Riker instantly said B-flat. <laughs> well, I yeah. Like, wow. I mean, I mean, Alan, was, you would have got that? No. I don't <laughs> have... I don't, I've got a good ear for music, but I don't know that kind of perfect pitch. And, and yeah, I can't do that. Um, 
Clarence agrees that Moriarty should have been saved as a surprise. Michael Phillips says, I hope Lore doesn't become another of the trailer red herring like Moriarty. Oh. I don't think, see, I don't think so. So let's talk about data really quickly. Yeah. Oh, wait. Chuck says that Veronica got my CC reference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Mr. Data. Um, you know, when we first got the 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 first exposure that we got to season three was when they did the cast reveal and you saw all the old cast and you saw seven of nine and you saw Rafi, but you did not see Brent Spiner. And so there you had no idea. You knew Brent Spiner was going to be in the show, but you had no idea. They didn't say what they were going to. And people were like, well, maybe he, he'll be data. Maybe he'll be before. Maybe he'll be lore. Turns out we get all of them <laughs> with a little bit of stuff in there. With a little, yeah. Exactly. And also, didn't they mention Lol? Yes. From, yeah. From, from one of my top five episodes of TNG, which I love that episode. So I, y'all thought that was interesting. So is Laura going to come out as a personality trying to assert dominance over the other ones in Data? Are we going to have a I'm split sure personality? Thing? I am sure he will. And, you know, the nice thing is that Brent Spiner has the chops to pull that kind of thing off. And yeah. you saw yeah. a little bit of that tonight when he's like kind of like flitting between different personalities. Yeah. Man, I thought that was so good. Oh, when they when they first turned him on and it was Data, it was Data's personality. And he said Jordy in that way that he does, which somehow speaks fondness and emotion without using overt emotion i just i about i about lost it right there <laughs> <laughs> how about you elaine how'd you feel about that i don't have a strong connection to a lot of tng because i haven't mm -hmm. watched much of it yet mm -hmm. and so i'm okay. still like i'm aware of who they are and different right. characters but i've maybe only seen three or four episodes total in my oh, life okay. so i'm you know well, you have a lot to look forward to. We have to get through the original series first. Yes, so. I know. Just <laughs> that also means that that also means that unlike the rest of us, Elaine, you can't you were not gonna spend fifteen minutes saying that's not Jordy's personality or this is not how Picard <laughs> react or that was the wrong self-destruct sequence or whatever. Right. <laughs> Which is good because you always want to get you always want to get what you call new fans and old fans. Because mm -hmm. sometimes what us older fans uh, don't like, the new fans are fine with and vice versa. So I, yeah. I think that that's a great perspective to have. Yeah. I agree. Michael Phillips asks, didn't the lore in the trailer still look young? That yeah. I don't recall. I, didn't, I don't remember that at all. So I can't answer that. Do y'all remember seeing I think anything I about lore in the trailer? Too. I think I remembered it being young too, but they, okay. I know MCU does this all the time and, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was a deliberate misdirection. Like they showed him young in the trailer specifically to, to, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. Or maybe they're going to give us some kind of like, you know, newly constructed flashback kind of scene right. to, mm -hmm. and they're going to de-age him to look like the lore of however many years ago. Yeah, and that's what they used in the trailer. So yeah. I guess that's a possibility. And Clarence says that he loved how we got data back, beautifully done, and that lore smirk. Huh. I loved that. Yeah, when he's in full data mode, and then you just see him shift into mm -hmm. lore mode, and man, that was good stuff. I'm really, you know, when we got 
We got data. We got lore. We got a, a, just a second of B4. And we got a Soong. I want to see him do LOL. I want to see the yeah. LOL personality come out a little bit. I'm, I mm. really want to see Brent pull that off because you, he's such a good actor. I, I can't wait to see what all they're going to do with this character. That would be interesting. Seeing Alton yeah. Soong just makes me wonder why we didn't see a Soong in Discovery because there's evidently the Soong is either cloning himself or something, but that's a freaking Soong in every generation of humanity as far as we can tell. You know it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into Vatic. Not not literally, but let's just talk about Vatic. Um, what did you think of her this week? I mean, we didn't get a whole lot of scenes with her, but we it seems like we now know that she is definitely a changeling. Yeah. So what did you what did you think of what we got this week? Elaine, you want to start us off on that one? I'm oddly a little confused by her. Like I'm not only a little? Yeah, no, like I'm I I'm not, I mean. I don't really know what her purpose, what what she's going for. Not, her, well, maybe not even her purpose in the show, right. and and she's doing something. She's doing something for somebody else because she talked to her hand in that one episode. But who talked to the hand? <laughs> but who who is that? Like, is that some greater changeling somewhere? Yeah. But and also, I thought their ship kind of got destroyed in an earlier episode unless I'm just misremembering things. So I'm surprised she's still around. Well, they banged it with the asteroid, but they didn't show it blow up or anything. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. like, or a meteor, I should say, whichever. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so what was your overall feeling about her, Elaine? Did you think she was, because I have my opinions this week, did you think she was <laughs> helpful to the plot or the script or no? No. <laughs> I, mean, I mean just flat <laughs> flat line no no because because one well, plus her stuff happened like right at the end where all this other you know exciting and heartwarming and all this mm. other stuff had happened and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. she's there and then i told matt i said wait what did she say my eyes closed for a second <laughs> Why? And all of a sudden, the anatorium on the screen. I was like, going, I missed something, but don't worry about it because I'll figure it out next week. Because I didn't, didn't, I, she doesn't do much for me. I, that's, I, a, that's a quote from the show. My eyes closed for a minute. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think she's at cross. She's she's not entirely aligned with the other changeling. She's kind of got her own agenda separate. I think there's something else going on. Hmm. The way she yeah. shot the one crew member, like just like, well, I don't like what you're doing. Boom! And I was like, well, yeah. oh, she's not supposed to be doing that, is she? <laughs> so. so, speaking of, are those crew members also changed because she called them unshapen when she was insulting them? Yeah, she did, and I'm thinking, yes, they are. I would now. You want to talk about a callback and fan service? So I'm not generally. Well, I'm in favor of fan service if it's done well and logically. I would do what they say: go squee. If the female changeling from DS9 showed up and was behind mm -hmm. all of this, because I love the female changeling. Uh, I don't know if they'd even think about doing something like that, but I would love seeing something like that. I thought that uh, Vatic was one step away from, I think Alan had to step away for a second. Yeah. I thought Vatic was one step away from tying a young woman to the railroad track. And Literally man laughing maniacally and twirling a mustache because <laughs> yeah. 
she was really overacting it to me. I mean, the whole, you know, I'm bad thing, it was really over the top to me this week. And it's been bordering on that since she was first introduced. Well, when uh, when she captured Riker from the Daystrom station, mm-hmm. at first, I assumed that the ones that were most active in trying to catch him were changeling guards. I'm not sure about that now that she right. killed them again. Uh, to get uh, Riker, but at mm-hmm. the time that was my impression, and at the time I thought he was being rescued by a changeling that might have been aligned with us until I saw it was Maddox. Right. right. But what sad a moment I said the oh. only one that I would want it to be would not really be possible now because I would I would have wanted it to be Odo, but of course, yeah, I, I don't yeah. want it to be Odo now since Renee's not with us anymore. Yeah. You just said something Matt I hadn't thought about. Alan, I think you heard us saying that Vatic was to me one step away from tying a maiden to the railroad track. She was a little over the top villain for me this week. Right. But Matt just said something I hadn't even thought about, which is would we will we get a faction of changelings fighting against the terrorist change? In other words, will we get the mm-hmm. faction of the changelings that followed Odo's way? Well, yeah, they should, I and are they fighting behind the scenes? That would be fascinating. I wouldn't be mm. surprised at all if that's where we're going with this. Yeah. Well, Alan, what did you think of that? Vedic? I can't keep like her. Vedic? Vedic. What did you think of her this week? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have not been impressed with her at all this series. Me either. She has been the weakest part of the series so far. Right. Uh, right. Which is a shame because she's supposed to be our big villain. And mm-hmm. it was weird that they were going to, you know, revolve this series around a big villain that we had never heard of or met before. And it was, I don't know, it just seems weird. Let me get a couple of comments. Right. Um, Tiger Blade 2002 says, is it possible that Vatic is another species that the changeling manipulated to expedite the new changeling abilities? That's very possible. Very possible. She's a mutant of some sort. <laughs> yeah, she took her hand yeah. off and put it back on. That was weird. <laughs> right, that was weird. <laughs> Clarence says that he agrees with Keith. Very mustache twirly. <laughs> she and wait, 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 Elaine, do it again because the comments got in your way. There you are. <laughs> um, he says she's been waffling back and forth. I felt she was calculated in the nebula battle what does that mean Cal- more calculating, calculating. yeah oh, more cal- oh i got you yeah. i got you okay that makes total sense yeah yeah um wayne says being angry at what they did to her species would go a long way toward explaining her behavior good point and michael phillips says what if vatic is a cameloid oh another shape changer yep it's possible there's three. Is there, are there only three shape changes we've seen in Star Trek? The, the Dominion, um, the Camaloids, and then the, gosh, I should know their name. Was the, the, the ones in the animated series with Carter Winston, the, right. the, the red multi tentacle creatures. That was right. a that was a shape shifting species as well. Who were really cool. What about the lady from? What was that? <laughs> There's Sorry, strange things going on. Okay, so um, we've got Vatic, and um, at the beginning of the episode, like the first scene that she's in, she's talking to her crew after she blows one of them up with her gun. First of all, that whole line is like, if another one of you tells me you can't find Picard, mm-mm-mm. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but then she says, 
I want you people to track down every person that Picard knows, every friend that he could turn to, blah, blah, blah. My first thought was, it's been six episodes, and she's just now thinking of that. <laughs> Thank my, you. My she should have staked out at Jordy's place, right? My yeah. second thought was, now I know exactly how we're getting Deanna in the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. Yep. Good point. And, but too, yeah, yeah, you're right. But too, what you're saying, Alan, they should have already been there waiting when, when they yeah. showed up for the majority. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. So I think she's a little late on that tactic. But, you know, it, it is at least working. It's a good thing that she was able to kidnap Riker. You know, <laughs> I mean, that just worked out nicely for her. Yeah, I also think that when we're talking about the Vatican, you know, just a little bit over the top, the kill the minion because you don't like their opinion thing is so overdone that it, it, it is a true trope and it's often used as a source of, you know, of amusement. And so I didn't think it worked here at all. You know, the whole she's doing what she's almost like Commander Krug in the search for Spock, you know, say the wrong word yeah. or something like that. But it just didn't work here. So when she killed the person thinking, well, I don't know. Yeah, she was just a little bit over the top for me. Yeah. And I don't I don't mind over the top. It just doesn't seem to me like she has that sort of domineering personality. She doesn't have that presence, you know, she doesn't have the charisma to be the kind of leader that they're portraying her to be. No, she needs to be like the, the, the slinky back, like the one who stabs you in the back kind of, you know, underhanded, like have somebody else be the big captain of the ship, but then she going around behind doing all these, you know, shady things. That's what she is. And she's not, yeah, hundred percent agree. You know, and I had not thought of that until just this second. As we're having this conversation, it's almost like they're trying to make another villain, like Jesse James Cartel, Kaitel, sorry, played in Strange New Worlds, Angel. Yes, that's mm-hmm. the type of personality that they're giving this character. But I don't think they have the. And I'm not saying that she's a bad actor. I just don't think that's the right actor for that kind of role. It's like mm-hmm. it's like the role is at odds with what they're wanting the role to be in, right. in, in a weird mm-hmm. kind of way. Yeah, I was thinking at this point they need to explain something like that something happened to her, the experiment on her because she's kind of lost her mind because mm-hmm. she's killing minions for daring to question her. She keeps smoking. Yeah. And it's, it literally is every trope. All she needs is a white cat to talk to. <laughs> the cigar thing is so bizarre to me. Yes, yes. It's just it's so wild. Uh, Elaine, I have a question for you. Are you familiar with Deep Space Nine at all? No. Not yet. Uh, okay. Ooh, just was, you wait. Yes. Because I was going to say one of the things that, again, you know, for old fans, one of the things that ruins her performance for those of us who know Deep Space Nine is there, and this is no spoiler, but there's a female changeling in charge of the Dominion. And she's exactly what you're talking about. She's cool. And she's cool. Yeah. And yeah. she will, and again, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's one time where she literally, there was some scientists researching a problem. Uh, well, they said it in the show, so this is not a big spoiler, but there was a virus that was killing the changelings, and there were some scientists researching it. And she literally says, just so calmly, she goes, kill them all, reactivate their clones, perhaps a fresh, a fresh perspective. And she's just so yeah. deadly cold. That's yeah. what we're used to. So having Vedic up here doing what she's doing, Vedic. I can, sorry, I keep doing that. It, it's, she's just she's just not working. Alan, I think, is making a very good point. It's so weird. It's not that she's just awful, but when she gets inserted, it's like she takes the whole air out of the story for as, as long as she's on screen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, oh, shoot. I just had a thought. What was it? Oh, 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 about DS9. It's, I don't think it's just um, the female shapeshifter. I think also Kai Wen. I oh, think yeah. both of them are yes. such, they're, they're not physically imposing characters, exactly. but they have that dominance of personality, you know? Absolutely. And they're both like, sort of like sit behind and, and, and get other people to do the stuff for you kind of people. Right. And they're right. both amazing mm -hmm. characters. Absolutely. I'm just not getting any of that kind of weight from, from Vatic. I'm, I'm exactly. not finding that kind of villainous personality mm -hmm. here. Exactly. I, I think, I'm sorry, go ahead, Elaine. I was going to say, I did like her in the very first episode we saw her in and she was in mm. the cool ship and everything. It was like, mm. who, who's she going to be? But then yeah. um, that hasn't materialized into yeah. what we thought she should be. You know, she just kind right. of didn't do anything. So. I think, Elaine, what you and Matt are saying is I'm also very curious. I, I want to see the power behind her. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd like yeah. to see the trail, whoever that person or persons. I mean, I don't know if there's like a mini link of goop somewhere doing all this. I'm just looking for that. <laughs> a mini link. I like <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, that's interesting because with the Borg, everything is a collective. And you've we've right. seen those times when there has been an offshoot of like a separate collective. So this mm -hmm. could be a, a separate mini link. Mm -hmm. Right. I like it. Yeah, I think um, it must a, be. A couple of comments that sort of relate to what we're talking about. Um, our buddy Chuck says, I'm just glad Deanna is on the show now. And whatever happened, the changelings don't kill each other. Right. Absolutely right. right. There. And uh, yeah. again, Elaine, I'm not going to spoil this for you, but the, the lead <laughs> changeling in DS9 literally, literally says that nothing was more important than another changeling, that they would sacrifice the entire Alpha Quadrant. Mm -hmm. millions of lives to protect one of their own. So yeah. that's yeah. a very good point. Um, Clarence about Vatic says, I don't think she's leading at all. She's scared for her life. That's a good point. That yeah. is a great point. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's part of the motivation, I guess, that we're getting from her, but we still don't know the purpose. And right. I know that's going to be coming. I know we're going to get that yeah. in probably episode eight or nine leading mm -hmm. into and I'm I'm kind of seeing you know for the in the old old school sense a two part finale so we'll probably get that reveal in episode 8 and that's going to lead us into whatever happens in 9 and 10 right mm -hmm. I should see that yeah um Wayne says that uh she's more unstable and he says that Clarence mm -hmm. made a great point yeah that's very true okay so Deanna Finally, finally. So we we we've been waiting all season for Jordy. Mm -hmm. We finally got Jordy mm -hmm. in a pretty yes. substantial episode. Yeah. And at the very yeah. end, we got Deanna layered on as well. So we basically have our whole, except for mm -hmm. Denise Crosby, we have our whole well and Will Wheaton. We have yeah. our whole crew now mm -hmm. on the show, and they're all connected. And I was going to say that mm -hmm. we had a couple of scenes where we had some reunions. We yeah. had uh, Worf and Picard and Riker getting their first reaction to each other. And we had Jordy meeting them again and hugging Beverly and all this kind of stuff. And man, I was happy to see that. I, I love the line that for the milliseconds while I was transporting, I was either <laughs> going to do a cold handshake right. or a awkward feeling. 
oh, an yeah. awkward, long overdue hug. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and yeah. I say, after that, you better do the hug, Jordan. <laughs> well, I, mean, also, even, I, I liked I liked when um, Beverly hugged Worth, and it was like, you, yeah. you don't hug. And he's just like, I'm hugging him anyways. He can just deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish she had actually said that. What she said was, it's just so good to see you, Worf. She should have said, I don't care. I haven't seen him in 20 years and I am going to hug him. Right. He's going to have to deal with it. That would have been so much more Beverly to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say how much I have really, really, really enjoyed Dr. Crusher this season. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This might be the best Dr. Crusher we've ever gotten. Finally. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Yep. Um, real quick, I didn't. What did y'all? I didn't. I, I I actually thought that the time taken to detail Jordy's problems with his daughter felt like filler to me, only because I'm so tired of the yeah. parent child not getting along thing. Right. Right. Um, I it just didn't work for me. What did y'all think about that? It's it's to me, it seemed like it came out of left field because yeah. we, we haven't seen any indication for the first five episodes that she has a, a, a strained relationship with her father. Right. She speaks right. glowingly of him and, and mm-hmm. people compare her to him all the time. And she seems fine with that. And this week he walks in and she's like, oh, it's him. And it just <laughs> oh. seemed so weird out of oh, yeah. nowhere. Oh, she found out. When she found out where they were going, she was like, no, no, yeah. I don't want to go there because yeah. it was the awkward reunion with her father. That's not a very yeah. good reason not to, to complete the mission. But Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. she may yeah. have like, been putting on a face because she knows how well-known and revered he is, and that is her father. So kind of like... Mm-hmm. Oh yes, he's he's a wonderful man. This is you know this is my father, but secretly it's kind of like, and he doesn't love me, or you know, like she was doing and all of that, you know, just but behind a facade because yeah. you don't want to badmouth Jordy LaFord to all of Starfleet because sure, you know, and then sure. be like, what's wrong with you? He's of he's course. not a bad guy, um, and he's not a bad guy. Just no, th- th- no, I think it was more miscommunication on their part, like. Like when she finally told him, she's like, why do you think I crashed all of those, whatever it was she crashed it so we could work together on fixing them so we could do that together. Yeah. So right. She wanted to spend time with him. She just wanted to be a pilot, not an engineer, but she still wanted his approval and to do things with him. And he, I don't know that I quite understood what his issue with it all was. I don't was, think any but, of us did. You yeah. Know. It was played out think- too much. Yeah, I think my one thing, it's funny, we talked about did that feel like Jordy or not when he was he was hesitant to join the adventure. To me, the fact that he has this kind of estrangement with his daughter feels less like Jordy. Jordy was always a kind of a cheerful, easygoing guy. So I just don't understand why he would be almost disapproving of his daughter. And I just I didn't think the space worked. I, I would rather they had just had a cool reunion with the three of them where maybe he's talking to his daughters about girls. I do not want to put you in trouble. I think the whole right. angle of not wanting his daughters to risk both their lives and their careers mm. would have been a better time for the two or three minutes they got than yet another parent child, um, you know, at odds with each other. I did say I did love that uh, Shaw was fanboying Jordy though. When he was <laughs> yeah, that was cute. 
I also really, we, we kind of talked about this earlier talking about the different generation and their reaction to things. But Mm -hmm. I loved that scene where Jordy is like, you stole a, a, a a thing from my museum. And like, (laughs) I would never do that to you, Jordy, because you're my pal. And then they both go, Oh, it was the kids. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. I did laugh at that. I laughed at that, and I also laughed when Jordy said, "Stay away from my daughter." Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, so there, there's something going on between Jack and the daughter. I mean, I don't know if y'all picked up on that, but there's clearly yes. something there. Yeah. So Michael Phillips says Jack implied that he has a bad relationship with Picard in order to connect with Sydney, but does he? He just met him, and they seem to be good. I don't know. I didn't pick. I mean, I picked up on him having, uh, you know, maybe a little something for Sydney, but I didn't pick up on him in any relationship to the Picard relationship. I guess. I think, I think literally he's trying to, I think they're trying to make him a player and he was kind of macking on Sydney with it. Hey, yeah, I get it. You know, you don't get along with your dad. I don't get along with my dad. Let's go have a drink and talk about it. <laughs> right. That's true. Let's go steal that a cloaking device. And... No, that, that was my idea. I called it before they even said anything when they were really? like, Oh wait, are they going to go get one of those cloaking things from a Klingon ship? And then sure enough, oh, that's what they did. did. I was like, she I did. called it. I called it because because earlier she said when they were on the bridge, she said, you know, short of us being invisible, we can't come back here because I'll see us. Yep. I know what that is. Uh, I know what that is. I've seen enough to know. (laughs) But here's the thing, though, you know, me at least, I don't know how many other people, but I keep expecting that they were going to go to this museum and they're going to get the rebuilt, refurbished Enterprise D because the family's all back together and they're going to be on the bridge of their old ship. And you expected that that's what they're going to do. And I'll bet you, you know, uh, uh, his other daughter said, dad, what about hangar 12? I'll bet you that's where enterprise D is. And Mm -hmm. at some point in this season, we're still going to get enterprise D. I can see that. You have to have, I can absolutely see that two quick things real quick. I've got, I, I didn't get, are you telling me after all these decades, Beverly and given her, her son's parentage, Beverly has not continually microcellularly scanned her son for the disease from her that almost that, that basically killed his father's body. Yeah. I didn't get that because she's like, oh, you got this. I did a microcellular scan like what for the first freaking time. And the guy's 23, 24 years old. That would have shown yeah. up in his DNA when he was conceived. The guy's yeah. the guy's 23, 24 or, or 35 <laughs> as the actor is. <laughs> yeah. uh, Charles yeah. says the. The D is in Hangar Bay 12. Yeah. Heck yeah, and buddy. It, I can't and it better be an in, and it better be an inside the inside the uh, space dock hangar because yep. if, if, if it had been one of those outside bays, Picard would have been like, he would he would have said something. He would not have just let that go. Also, Matt, it's got to be inside because they got to yeah. steal it and do a whole thing with opening the doors and almost crashing it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, really quickly, I want to get I want because we're right at running out of time. Wow. Um, I want to say that the museum scene with all the ships lined up outside, mm-hmm. and then Jack and Seven kind of flipping through the images and looking at the ships was yeah. a great scene and having seven talk about you know her remembrances of being on voyager was so nice but yeah i want to bring that up because i've been meaning to say this every week for the last five weeks 
this show is finally doing one of the things that I love about Star Trek. It is giving me good ship porn. Mm -hmm. It is showing me great beauty shots of all these ships. And that's something that has pissed me off from day one with (laughs) Discovery is that they don't ever give you any good ship. They don't give you good shots of what this show has been so great. Oh, they had the scene. It was like what about a five, six, seven minute scene where they're going ship by ship and saying, oh, and and then you saw Seven's face when they did Voyager. And yep. Yeah, no, it it was almost a little indulgent, but I didn't mind. Oh, I don't mind at all. (laughs) And then they threw in uh, they threw in some musical cues from the series. They did. Which I did. I thought that was great. All right. So overall, what did you think? How do you rank this one? Do you let's just do a, a one through ten. What do you what do you put it on in a one to ten scale? Eight. Eight. All right. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. Uh I was going with seven point five. Look at that. So <laughs> I'm gonna say f- two. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm gonna I'm gonna go six. I, I thought it was a great episode, but I think there have been other better ones. Right. I think that episode two this year is the best so far. Holy cow, that was good. Oh, yeah. All right. So thank everybody for joining us on the show. And thank you to all the viewers who have watched and all the people who have commented with their questions and their feedback. It's been great. And thanks to Charles for calling in on our phone line, which is 307-387-387. 1701 y'all better give me some phone calls and give me some (laughs) some uh, audio clips that we can play in next week's show all right that's our week we'll be back next thursday to talk about episode seven which i can't wait because we finally have deanna in the show keith if people after seeing this would be interested in hearing more of you or seeing more of you online where might they look Instagram and Twitter and also Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups, especially Earth Station Trek. Matt Sweatman, where would people track you down? Um, well, in addition to the Facebook where Elaine and I live Facebook uh, episodes of Star Trek, yes, sir. I, am, I am going yeah. to be on an Earth Station One podcast. We're recording Monday on The Last of Us TV show. Oh, oh. cool. Nice. That's awesome. All right, Elaine, let us know about your other projects. Yes, I am also part of three with Chuck and Veronica of Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkey. Yes. Yes, Thank you you for doing the Veronica dance when you say it. (laughs) And um, you can find us on Twitter at Monkeying Around, Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we have a Facebook discussion group. And then I myself am on Facebook and Twitter. Yep. I will say that in addition to monkeying around, you can find Charles and Veronica at feltnerdy.com. They are puppeteers. They have just celebrated their 10th anniversary as puppeters, and they do shows all over the place at conventions and other events. And I don't know exactly what all they have coming up, but if you go to feltnerdy.com, you will find out and you should do that. Um, and I will say that you could find more of my stuff at cosmic press 
cosmiccreative.com. Actually, no, Cosmic Creative. Let's do that. K-O-Z-M-I-C creative.com. I have another podcast on this very network called Modern Musicology, and we have got two exceptionally amazing interviews. Uh, this week, we have been talking to... Um, well, no, I'll let you... The, the one I was going to mention isn't out yet. It actually comes out on Monday. So I'll just save that. And then the week after that, we're talking to two of two members of my favorite band. So. Ah. All right. So that's it for us this week. Y'all take care. Thank you so much for watching. We really appreciate Thanks it. We'll see you again next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And we will do this whole thing again. And we will take your comments and questions. And we can't wait to do that. So Matt and Elaine, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank, thank you very you much for having us. Next Thursday, we are going to be on with Michael Phillips. So yeah. that's Michael. pretty exciting. Hey. Who also seen... thinks Obsession is one of the best episodes of Trek ever, like me. Right on. <laughs> you've, you've seen his comments. We've read his comments on screen. Yes. Now you will see his face and hear his voice. All right. Awesome. Take care, everybody. See y'all next Thursday. Thank you. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.